You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. We're going to be closing out this awesome series that we've been in for the last month called In My Feelings. We're closing it out tonight, um, but I want to let you know real quick about where we're heading next week because we're starting a brand new series next week that we haven't announced yet. So as many of you know, it's spring, and when spring comes around, you know there's a Christian holiday that's in the month of April that we go hard on. What is that holiday called? (laughs) Close. Easter. Easter, that's right. Now, if if you've been at New Song for like five minutes the past month, you know that we don't play here at Easter or at New Song about Easter. We don't play. We go hard at New Song for Easter. Like, we go hard like my mom goes hard for Easter. Anybody have a mom that just goes hard on Easter? Like, my mom, she, uh, you know, we'd have the entire house decorated in Easter decor, kind of like, almost like you'd imagine a Christmas time house, but Easter. So, like, bunnies, baskets, eggs, you know, the whole thing all over the house, just like Easter bunny threw up all over the house. And she... We, we went hard for Easter. Like, we did the Easter egg hunts. Who, had, who did Easter egg hunts? We did, um, she would dress us up in those, like, ugly pastel-colored polos for church. Like, that pale purple. There ain't nothing wrong with that. If you're a mom. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. I just, I wasn't feeling the pastel polo as a kid, okay? And um, one of the things that my mom did that she went hard on was, I got an Easter basket every Easter Sunday. Now, I didn't realize this, but not every kid gets an Easter basket growing up. Like, I would wake up on Easter Sunday, I'd have this fat Easter basket on my bed, and it would have, like, candy and, like, CDs from bands that I like and just, like, cool little gifts. And I remember one time I learned I'm not supposed to tell people that I get this because I was at church one day. I I was in kids' class as a kid, and I looked to my neighbor sitting next to me, and I was like, hey, what'd you get in your Easter basket this morning? And he was like, what do you mean my Easter basket? And I was like, oh, not everybody gets an Easter basket for Sunday. Interesting. I didn't know that. So my mom goes hard at Easter, and you know what? So does New Song. We go hard because here's the thing. We know Easter's not all about bunnies. It's not all about peeps. It's not all about getting that perfect family photo, what is it about? Easter's about the fact that our God didn't stay dead, right? Our God is alive. He's active. He's moving. It's, t- it's a time where, you know, we as a church, as a family, as Christians, we come together and we remember that, that truth that God is alive, that he's active, that he's not dead, that Jesus ain't in the tomb anymore, right? Amen. Thank you. Somebody said amen. So we take Easter seriously, but not, not just because we celebrate that, um, as a family, but because during the time of Easter, that's a really, really crucial time where we invite people and we get people into the house and so they can hear that good news, right? And so you may have seen, you know, obviously Easter's right around the corner and new songs been pushing really hard about the fact that we want, uh, to, we want you guys to be bringers, right? So here's the thing. Um, as a new song student's family, now, it's kind of hard to celebrate Easter when it, Easter is on a Sunday and not a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Right? So we decided this year we're going to do something we've never done before. We're going to do a Easter 
series for you guys, just for you. Next week, yes, let's go. Next week, we're starting a two-part series. It's just two weeks. It's the week before Easter and the week after Easter. It's called Graves to Gardens. Ooh, somebody say, ooh, you turn graves into gardens. Man, how many of you just want to like run through a brick wall after hearing that song? Oh my gosh, I love that song. So we're going to do a series called Graves to Gardens because you know what? That's what Easter is all about, right? We're talking about the death and the life of Jesus. Notice how I didn't say the life and death because Jesus ain't dead anymore, right? I said the death and then the life of Jesus. And so next week, we're going to talk about uh, Jesus's body. We're going to talk about communion. We're going to talk about his death. And then we're going to follow it up the following week talking about his life, resurrection. And so here's what I need from you. Past couple weeks at New Song, we've been telling people to add friend here. I'm going to tell you guys to do something. I need you to add a friend here, okay? So I need you to think of somebody who is in your friend group, who's in your circle of influence, somebody that you, uh, that you hang out with that doesn't come here. And I want you to, somebody say it with me, add friend here. Say it with me again. Say, add friend here. Okay. Can you do that for me? Sweet. It's going to be awesome. Oh, I can't wait. Easter, Easter series for you guys. We've never done that before. So new stuff. 2021. Watch out, y'all. Okay. So tonight we're going to be closing out in my feelings. Anybody gotten anything out of this series so far? Man, I know I have. If anything at all, I hope that you just realize at the end of the series that like you're a normal person for experiencing emotions, right? Like I hope that's just at least the one thing you've got out of the series that you're a normal person for experiencing anger or anxiety, right? You're not the first Christian to ever experience doubt in their walk with God. And I hope that You've gotten more than that in this series, but at least that. You're a normal person. People experience emotions. And by the way, can we make some noise for Annie's message last night on anxiety? So good. That's right. That's right. So good. So this has been a, did I say last night? Sorry. Sometimes I just zone out and say things when I'm up here. Last week. This series has been so good, you know, just confronting, confronting the things that a lot of the times we just pretend aren't there, right? Our emotions, sometimes our negative emotions, we just like, that's not there. But we're confronting him in this series. And so tonight, we're going to wrap up this whole thing. Um, we're going to be ending with what I think is the hardest emotion out of all the emotions that we've talked about. Now, like anger, anxiety, doubt, those are all like, those are all pretty hard emotions. They're not easy things to walk through. But I think that the one we're going to talk about tonight is is one of the hardest things to walk through because I think it's one of the things that keeps us from experiencing an intimate relationship with God. I think it can keep us from people knowing us for the person that we truly are and and something that can keep us from walking all in God has for us. And so tonight we're going to be looking at shame. Somebody say shame. Shame. We're going to be looking at shame tonight. And I'm believing, honestly, I'm believing that God is going to do a work tonight in somebody's heart because shame's a big deal. Shame is a heavy emotion. And it's something that people live in for a long time. And I'm believing that just by the power of the Holy Spirit, like something awesome happens, whether it's in this message or in small group. But I'm believing that shame is going to be knocked off of somebody tonight. Can I get an amen? Okay, so um, as always, we're going to kick off tonight 
in a passage of scripture. We'll, we'll read a lot of scripture as always because I like to read a lot of stories to you guys. But we're going to start off um, in Luke 15 with the prodigal son. Who's familiar with the prodigal son? Yeah? Any, any prodigal sons in the house? Just kidding. Don't raise your hand. That's bad. Don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know the story. We, we all are pretty familiar with the prodigal son. You know you got that son who's tired of being told what to do. He doesn't want to live in his father's house anymore. He wants to make big boy decisions. So he goes to his dad. You know, the, you know the drill. He asks for his inheritance early. And then what does he do? He goes off, kind of goes crazy. He, he lives the life he wants to live. He's out partying. He's eating, drinking. He's got all these friends, right? And then, um, but just as quickly, just as quickly as his money came, it went. And he finds himself broke. He finds himself unemployed, and he finds himself eating some pig slop. Kind of gross. So this is where we're going to pick up in the story. Check this out. Luke 15. Here's what it says. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father's and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Check this out. This is really important. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's shame right there. Right there. That's what shame sounds like. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Okay. Talking about shame. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's what we're talking about tonight. Let's pray before we get into this word. Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much, Lord, that you are alive and active. That Holy Spirit, when we invite you in, that you fill this space. And so right now, God, as a New Song Students family, we say, come, you're welcome here, Holy Spirit. And I pray tonight, God, that you would do the same work that you've done last week, the week before, this past year in our family. God, I pray that tonight as I, as I speak this word, as we dive into shame, I pray that you would, you would begin to break off shame in people's hearts tonight by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. Uh, so I was trying to think of like some shameful, this kind of sounds weird, but I was trying to think of some shameful experiences that I've experienced to share with you guys to open up with this. And you know, I'm sure just like every single person in this room, we've all got a bunch of different stories about shame that we felt. Maybe it was from something big. Maybe it was from something little. The first thing that came to mind for me was uh, I used to, well, for most of my life, I used to be deathly afraid of what I'm doing right now, which is public speaking. Any, anybody else afraid of public speaking or just kind of not like it? So uh, that was me growing up. I, I, just, I just thought I'm a shy kid. I'm not good at it. And I hate it. It makes me nervous. I don't like the feeling. And um, I can remember a couple of scenarios specifically. Like I remember once in second grade, once in fifth grade, once in eighth grade, where I had like a book report where you had to share the report to the class. Have you ever had to do one of those before? Those are the worst. Who decided that that was a good idea? Like, why can't we just write a paper? So much easier. But I remember um, these three specific times, like sharing in front of the class 
and just being so nervous. And like, I'm sharing and I'm up there and you're having that thought where you're like, I can't believe I'm like talking in front of my whole class right now, but you're like trying to keep it together. And, um, you know, I had that moment in all these occasions where like I messed up or tripped up on a word or did something that probably wasn't that big of a deal, but to me it felt like a big deal. And I got embarrassed and I just kind of froze. And then I'm a ginger, so my face turned red. And uh, everybody was like, oh my gosh, your face turned red. And then what happened? I walked off and, you know, I didn't logically, you know, you would think, well, I'll just do better next time, right? Or like, well, there's always, like, you're going to have plenty more opportunities to, to public speak and get better. But no, 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 that's not what happened. You might, you might relate to this, but I walked off and I didn't think, oh, I just messed up. I, I walked off and thought, there must be something wrong with me. Like, I'm broken. Like, everybody else can do this, but I can't. There must be something wrong with me. Anybody ever felt that way before? This is kind of like the tone of shame. This is what shame sounds like. And I'm sure that if we were to take a poll of every single person in the room, or if we were to like sit down and talk about some experiences that we've had together or or in our lives, I think we would really quickly discover that none of us are strangers to shame, right? Like none of us are strangers to the feeling of I'm broken or I'm, I'm ashamed, right? In fact, I think it's safe to say that unlike other emotions that we've even talked about in this series like anger or, or doubt or anxiety, things that can kind of come and go in seasons, I think shame is a different kind of emotion because I think it's one that people live in. Like it's not just one that they feel, it's one that some people are stuck in like a prison and they live their life in shame. You know, for some of us, shame... Uh, is, is not just a bad habit, that like a bad thinking habit that you need to break out of. It's a stronghold that's keeping you from living the life God's called you to live. Like shame is heavy. Shame is a big deal. It's something that so many people walk with. But check this out. It's not something that God's called us to live in, like at all. It's not, it's not a way God's called us to live in. So what exactly is shame? Well, if you're taking notes, I, I found a definition on Google because, you know, I like finding my definitions on Google. It's quick and easy. Here's what I found. It says this. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. So that was kind of wordy. But shame is really just a heavy feeling that you and I feel when we've realized we've done wrong. Or maybe wrong has been done to us. In fact, I want to give us like a biblical definition of this. That's like a Google definition. Here's Bible definition. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by sin. Caused by sin. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Check this out. Shame is the feeling that follows sin. Shame is a feeling that follows sin. It follows directly after something missing the mark that God's called in creation. So check this out. We like we see this happen really, really early on in the story of the Bible. I'm talking like the first three chapters in the Bible, we see shame come up. You know the story, Adam and Eve in the garden. Do I need to read it to you guys or do you, you think you're okay with me not reading this story? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I think you guys know it. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Everything's perfect, right? There's no sin. They've got a perfect relationship with God. The Bible tells us that they're naked. Somebody just woke up. 
You're like, did he just say naked? Yes, I did. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were naked, and then what else does it say? They felt no shame. It's kind of interesting, right, that they, it puts shame and nakedness together. So the Bible describes them as being naked and felt no shame. Obviously, uh, this nakedness was physical, right? Like they were physically naked. I wonder what that was like. Probably cold, right? God, can I have a hoodie? I'm cold. <laughs> um, but so obviously this is like a physical nakedness, right? But I don't think it's just talking about a physical nakedness. I think it's talking about like their heart and their spirit and like their mind. Like they were just fully transparent, right? Because there was no sin yet. There was no reason to hide. And so we keep on reading though. And we find out that sin enters the picture, right? So check this out. Sin enters the picture. And the first emotion that follows sin is not anger. Like they, they, Adam and Eve weren't like, dang it, I messed up again. I'm so angry. Where's, where's something I can punch? Like they didn't do that. The, the first emotion that they felt wasn't sadness. Like they didn't just break down and cry because they were like, I'm so sorry, God. Like. They didn't do that. What was the first emotion that they felt? It was shame. Check this out. Scripture tells us that the first thing that happens after they sin is this. It says their eyes were opened. They realized that they were naked. It's awkward. And so they made coverings and they hid. That's the first thing that happens after sin. So shame is the first thing that we see following sin, uh, the first sin to ever be committed. Here's what I want you to know about sin or about shame. Shame follows sin that we commit. So we we see this in the story of Adam and Eve, right? Nobody told Adam and Eve to hide, right? Nobody told them, hey, you should hide when you mess up. That just happened. Like nobody, they weren't, they didn't learn how to feel shame. It just followed the sin that they committed. And that's because the Bible actually tells us in Romans chapter two that God's word, his ways, the way he's like set up creation and how things are wired, he's wired that in our hearts. And so whether we know we've sinned or not, we, we know in our heart, we feel that. And the thing that followed after they committed this sin was shame. They, they felt like they needed to hide, right? But check this out. Shame doesn't just follow sins that we commit. Shame can also follow sins committed against you. So you might be feeling shame and it's actually not your fault, which is I think a lot of people in this room or a lot of people in general. Yeah, we feel shame when we mess up and we miss the mark of what God's called us to, but many times we feel shame because of something that was done to us. Like we live in a fallen world, right? We can't control what other people do. I can't control how people are gonna treat you. And sometimes people sin against us. And shame oftentimes follows after that. Like maybe for you, something happened to you as a kid that has caused you to walk in shame since that thing happened to you. Or maybe somebody spoke something over you that like altered the way that you see yourself. And so you've walked in shame since they said that hurtful thing to you. It's like shame's a big deal. And sin is a big deal. It has an effect on us. Shame doesn't just follow the sins we commit. It also follows the sins committed against us. And shame is like this overwhelming fear of abandonment. 
It's like this fear that somebody's, you're going to leave me if you knew who I really was. Or you're going to leave me if you knew what happened to me. It's this overwhelming fear of rejection. I can't let you know who I am really or what I've experienced because if you did, you might leave me. And the last thing I want you to know is that shame is this overwhelming belief, I've already said it before, that I am broken. It's this belief that I didn't just mess up or that thing didn't just happen to me. I'm broken. Like, I'm the reason why it happened. That's what shame is. Shame says what happened determines who you are. In other words, your actions determine your identity. So shame says, oh, you messed up? Well, that's because you're actually a mess up. Oh, they told you that you sounded kind of awkward in that conversation? Well, that's not just because it was an awkward conversation. That's because you're an awkward person. That's what shame sounds like. It doesn't say, it says your, your actions that you create or the actions that you make or the actions done against you, that's who you are. That's what shame says. So what does shame do to us? I'm going to get to the good stuff in, in a second, I promise. But what, is, what does shame do to us if we live in shame too long? What does it do to us? The first thing that we need to know is that shame hides me from you. Somebody say, hides me from you. Shame hides me from you. Check this out. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord coming, and as he was walking into the garden in the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The first thing that happened when God entered the picture and they were feeling all of this shame is they felt like they couldn't let God see what, who they truly were. So the first thing they did was hide from God, which is silly because God obviously knows everything, right? He knows everything. He knew exactly where they were. But check this out. Shame keeps me from knowing you. And shame keeps you from knowing me for who I truly am. But it doesn't just do that with us. It does that with God. You know, how many of you know our relationship with God is as deep as we make it? And if I don't give God any of the deep stuff, then I have a surface level relationship with God. And this is what shame does. Shame keeps all of our relationships at surface level. It makes it to where if we're going to talk to each other, all you're going to hear about is the weather in that last game that we saw on TV and uh, how my schoolwork is going. That's what shame does. It says you can't let anybody know who you really are because they might reject you. And it keeps every relationship, including your relationship with God, on a surface level basis. That's what shame does. The second thing that shame does is this. Shame lies to me about me. Shame lies to me about me. Let's go back to the story of the prodigal son real quick. What does it say? It says, I will set out and go back to my father's house and say to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So obviously, in this story, the prodigal son, he knows he's done wrong. Like, he's not dumb. He knows, obviously, the decisions I've made are terrible and I've messed up. But then he believes this lie that he's no longer his father's son or that he's not worthy. But, you know, to his surprise, as he's coming home and he's like preparing that I'm sorry speech and that, hey, maybe you can hire me as your servant speech, he's shocked at the fact that his dad doesn't see him any different. Even though he's sinned, even though he's messed up, the father lets him know, hey, there's literally nothing you could do, action, that could change your identity. 
to me. There's nothing you could do to change the fact that you're still my son. And this is what shame does. It gets us to believe a lie about ourselves that because of the sins I've committed or because of the things that have been done against me, I'm no longer worthy. But that's a lie. That's not real. So what do we do about it? How do we, how do we overcome this shame? Well, um, the way I want to look at this is there's an amazing passage um, there's a way that Jesus redeems somebody's shame. In fact, um, when I think about the question, what should I do when it comes to shame, I think that's a good question because guess what? We actually can't do anything when it comes to shame. Because remember, shame is like an action basis thing. If you do this, then you're this. So we can't come at it with action. We have to come at it with who we know, with the relationship with the person that we know. So check this out. Um, there's a really amazing uh, story about a guy who definitely felt some shame, and his name's Peter. Um, there's a passage in Scripture where Peter does something that he said he would never do, and that's deny Jesus. He literally tells Jesus, like hours before he does this, bro, I would literally never deny you. And then let's read what, what he does real quick. It says, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him, um, sat in the light, looked closely at him and said, this man also was with him, talking about Jesus. But he, Peter, denied it, saying, woman, I don't even know him. Yikes. And a little later, someone else saw him and said to him, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I'm not. That's an interesting way to say no. Man, I'm not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisting, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Oof. I bet that was a hard moment for Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Okay, you can probably imagine the amount of guilt and shame Peter is feeling right now, right? Like you can probably, it's really heavy. Like like he literally just did the thing that he said he would not do and Jesus saw him do it. So like he's feeling some shame. So I want to fast forward a little bit. Fast forward past the cross, past the resurrection, past that moment where everybody was like, oh, we lost and Jesus is dead and everything's worthless. And past all of that, Jesus is alive and he's starting to show himself to people. And when we find ourselves in this next story is we find the disciples going back to the thing they knew how to do best. And that's fishing. So they're back fishing because they're like, I don't know what else to do. Jesus is dead. And I gave, my, I gave him three years of my life, and I guess it just didn't work out. So I'm going to go back to this thing that I know works. So they're fishing. And while they're fishing, Jesus pops up. And he helps them catch a bunch of fish. And then he cooks them breakfast on the beach because Jesus is cool like that. This is where we pick up. Check this out. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, or he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, 
son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, Jay, you can throw on some music as I close this out. I can only imagine the shame that Peter's feeling right now. Like, think about this. Like, the resurrected Jesus is like, just cooked him breakfast. Um, and now he's talking with Jesus. And I can only imagine how loud shame is in the back of his mind right now. Like, you're a fake. You're a fake. You remember when you denied Jesus three times? Now he's right here in front of you. You don't even deserve to eat this fish that he just cooked you. You're a fake. You should just go back to that boat. Like, can you imagine how loud this shame must have been in Peter's face? In the back of his mind, I can only imagine how guilty Peter feels in this moment. But Jesus knew his shame. Jesus knew exactly what Peter was feeling. And I love this. This is so cool. Jesus does something that he does for, for you and for me. First thing I think that he does is obviously Jesus redeems sin. In this moment, it's not a coincidence that Jesus asks Peter this question three times. He's not just doing that because it's like a weird, mysterious Jesus thing. He's doing this on purpose because he knows in the back of his head, Peter is thinking about the fact that he's denied him three times. And so Jesus gives him three opportunities to say, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. And Jesus redeems every single denial that Peter said. He takes time to address every single point of shame in Peter's mind personally. He goes to each one. He says, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And he redeems every single moment of shame. And I think Jesus does that for us too. I think there's sin in our lives, whether it was committed by us or it was committed against us. And there's shame that we feel. And Jesus, for you and I, he redeems every single one of those sins, just like he did with Peter. The second thing Jesus does for Peter, which I love, is Jesus reveals purpose. Because earlier in the story, the disciples are called into the ministry on a boat. They're fishing, and Jesus sees them fishing, and he says, hey, I've got a higher purpose for you. I know you're fishing right now, but I've actually called you to fish for people. So he gives them this calling, right? And now after all the smoke clears from the cross, we find Peter and the disciples going back to the lower calling that they thought they were supposed to live out because this other one didn't work out. And so what does Jesus do? He reveals purpose. He redeems purpose. Check this out. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. So check this out. When Jesus says, feed my lambs, he's reminding Peter in this moment that Peter is called to be the rock that the church is built on. Peter's called to be a pastor. And, and even though he's called to be a pastor, he feels shame and doesn't feel like he's called to do that anymore. And so I, I don't think Jesus is necessarily saying like, for everybody that loves him, that we're all called to be pastors. I think he's doing something specific for Peter in this moment. I think he's specifically saying, hey, Peter, I know that you don't think you can pastor anymore because of what you've done, but check this out. If you love me, feed my lambs. 
if you love me, do what I've called you to do. And Jesus says the same thing to you and me. He reveals purpose to us. He says, hey, I know you feel shame, but guess what? That shame doesn't keep you from the purpose I've called you to. That sin that you've experienced doesn't keep you from the purpose I've called you to. And Jesus reveals purpose in this moment. And the last thing that he does for all of us, especially Peter in this story, is Jesus bore shame. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. It says, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So check this out. Sometimes we forget that when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die so that we could be forgiven of sin. Like his death didn't just um, give us forgiveness of sin, but his death gave us freedom from sin. That's because Jesus, he didn't just take our sin, he became our sin. So the shame that you and I feel, it's already dead and gone because Jesus already took it. And so, so many of us are fighting a battle that's actually already been won. And there's a revelation that I believe Jesus wants to give us tonight, maybe give us in small groups about the fact that, guess what? Maybe the battle you're facing in your mind or in your heart, maybe you're fighting a battle that's already been won. And Jesus has purpose for you. And Jesus has has forgiveness for that sin that you've created or that you've committed. And he's, he's got redemption for that sin that was committed against you and he's got a better plan. And shame doesn't have to be your story. And so right now, as we get ready to go in a small group, I wanna invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're just gonna take a second to see if the Holy Spirit wants to show us any sin that we may be carrying in our hearts or any shame. Sometimes we live in shame for so long that we forget it's even there. And we've just been operating this in this shame for so long and we've, we've catered our entire life to keeping people at a distance and keeping God at a distance. But I believe God wants to reveal that to us tonight so we can take it away, so that we can be transparent with, with God and with others. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, re- you would reveal shame any shame in our hearts, God, that might be hidden to our eyes right now. I lift up all the students here tonight, God, and I pray that, that you would show us any area in our heart where you wanna bring more freedom, where we're not walking fully in what you've called us to, God. And we thank you that you're so good and that you don't say that our actions determine who we are. We thank you that, that in this room, is, this room is full of a bunch of sons and daughters of God. And that's an identity that can't be taken away by what we do or what happens to us. And I pray that you would reveal that to our hearts. Show us what we need to work through tonight. We love you, God. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said.